we need two things as, as living beings. We need nutrition and we need shelter. Mm -hmm. Mammals do, humans do, you know, for need to build a house. And how are we destroying the world? Through our agricultural systems and our building systems. So we don't have a choice, Dan. We have to heal the world through both those systems. It feels like I'm falling into an endless pit of new and you powerful are. frameworks. You are. That is the truth. And it takes, what, what I've experienced, Dan, it takes about a year for the field to start popping where people say, I want to play. This work is so foundational. It allows us to work with a family. It allows us to work in a country. It's the same stuff. If I speak with any authority and power in this, it's because I'm speaking about the experiences I've had, not the reading that I've done. Well, greetings, everybody, and a warm welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. This is your host, as always, Dan Palmer, and this is episode 36, in which I share, having in episode 35, shared my third conversation, my three-peat with Jason Gearhart. In this episode, I share my third conversation with Bill Reed from Regenesis Group. Very excited to have Bill back on the show, where I'm continuing to kind of kind of track down or circle in and hone in on some of the, the details of this intriguing and powerful approach that they call living systems thinking and regenerative design and development today with bill among a beautiful meandering conversation we do look into questions around um, in particular the first two of carol sanford's seven principles of regeneration which are going to be something of a theme moving forward and i'll have carol herself on the show again to to take us through them in her own words but today i, I was just Happy to, to get some, some of Bill's experience and wordings and perspectives on the first two, which are to do with holes, W-H-O-L-E's, how we discern and hold holes when we seek to work regeneratively, and also how we go about uh, even thinking about, let alone approaching um, and identifying uh, the uniqueness, or as they say, the essence of the holes we choose to engage to engage with. Hope you enjoyed the chat. I, I'm so grateful to Bill, very, very generous um, and always very willing and forthcoming um, with his time and energy. Thank you so much, Bill. And I don't think I'll need to say anything at the end, as you probably know if you've listened to this before. You can track down the larger conversation at makingpermaculturestronger.net. You can support the project, part of which gives you a, a ticket, an access pass into the six-weekly online conversations we have all the gatherings where we're striving to build a community of, of practice around collaboratively uh, increasing our permaculture design literacy discernment abilities you can learn more about bill's work at regenesisgroup.com and i think that's about it another news i'm very excited I'm, I'm i recorded this uh episode this morning it's Tuesday, 21st of April, 2020. And I'm just wrapping it up this evening because I've got a big couple of days ahead. And I've also got another podcast in the pipeline, which I'll be excited to share with you soon, where I interview my friend and colleague, Simon Marshall, where we were experimenting with a different style of episode, where I um, support people to work on their own design practice and, and identify next steps. But I'm also excited because tomorrow morning I'm going to be heading to a large rural property to read landscape with David Holmgren, which is always an absolute pleasure and joy and I learn so much. So I'll be sure to, to observe closely. To, to I'll, I'll be sure to be reading David Holmgren, reading landscape and taking notes that um, I'll hope to be able to share with you in due course. Anyway, let's jump into another fantastic chat with Bill Reed. Hope you're doing well out there, that you're kind of consolidating and in a good position um, in terms of where we're at in this 
um, which I think for most of us is we're on the downward slope of the of the coronavirus wave. And uh, well, I don't know what else to say. So let's jump on in. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for your support. So the last podcast interview I did, Bill, was with Jason Gearhart, and he was appearing for his third time. You're appearing for the third time, so you're the second person ever on Making Permaculture Stronger to have a third interview. Congratulations. I'm grateful. <laughs> Great to have you back. And um, I've, I've got to say, I was on a fantastic journey with Making Permaculture Stronger. And then you, Joel Glansberg, Ben Haggard, Carol Sanford, they've just kind of messed with the program. And it's taken me a long time to... Messed with I mean, your I, head, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I don't even know what getting back on track means here, but I'm loving the adventure and the journey. And I wanted to share that so many people continually, like I think yesterday or this morning, I got another email, someone referring to the conversations and often they single out, you know, the Bill Reed and Carol Sanford or Joel. You know, mm-hmm. you know, well, this should not change anything. It should just support and maybe refine what yeah, you're already yeah. doing. Right. Well, you know what it is. It's, it feels like I'm falling into an endless pit of, New and you powerful are. frameworks. You are. That is that is the truth. And that that's one way I distinguish this work from almost anything else. It's never ending potential, which is just like nature. There's not a plateau. You don't reach and say, okay, we're just we're meditating great now. This is really good meditation. And somehow that doesn't seem like an endpoint, you know. Meditation's an instrument to go somewhere. So I, I always recall this kind of a silly statement because everybody refers to Einstein. You know, Einstein does this, I do half of it's BS. But, you know, Einstein stopped growing, but he never stopped developing. Uh-huh. And I think that no matter who that is, it could, you know, we all stop growing and hopefully we never stop developing. So that's the unlimited potential we have. And so when we add, measure things by GDP, we're measuring by how we extract things from the world, right? Well, that's a zero-sum game. Yeah. And, I mean, well, it really isn't if you're looking at law of conservation of mass and energy. But if we actually really understood law of conservation of mass and energy, then it wouldn't be a problem. We'd be living differently. But we just extract, use, abuse, throw away, destroy. And so um, when do we decide that it is through our evolutionary processes that we really grow? So uh, instead of GDP, it's, uh, you know, gross evolutionary product just so you know that i a couple of um episodes back I, I interviewed carol and she took us through the four levels of paradigm so um, oh good that should be oh aristocratic it, mechanical no no that. no those are the world views i know that was the it was the um uh, oh the seven principles no 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 the the four levels of paradigm extract value yes extract value okay yeah Which, sorted, another way to say value value uh, return Value return, right, which yes. is a little nicer way to say it. Yep. Uh, value yep. return, arrest disorder, do good, you know, evolve capability. Yeah, exactly. and she made, that, she made that point. She calls it value return, where extract value is kind of the bottom, the bottom end of, of value return. That, you, can, yeah. you, can, you can get a value return in a much more nice polite way. and gentle and benign way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then I had a follow-up episode where it was just me kind of riffing off of the ideas and applying them to how I'd monitored my own psychology as the whole COVID thing kicked in because initially it was just like value. I need value. I need value return. Um, let's get set up and then hang on. This thing's coming. How do we arrest disorder? And, and, and the sphere of concern was increasing. And then eventually to do good, what are some generic things I could contribute? Then hang on. I'm me. How could I, how am I uniquely placed to, to, to there offer you something? Go. 
And that's the hard, that's the hard transition for people to make in this work is when you actually have to work, you actually, it emanates from your, your own essence, as we say, that's, you know, anyway, who you really are, who you're, who you're becoming allows you to be so much more effective in the world. So as a result, uh, working on you is integral to working on the health of the planet. Isn't that great? What a bonus. Everything benefits. Yeah. Hey, I, I wanted to come back to the, um, let's talk a little bit about this, this transition or what might help catalyze a transition from gross domestic product, you know, extract value, extract, use, destroy, cast away, mm-hmm. um, that whole situation to gross evolutionary product or whatever you want to call it, or, you know, moving in that direction. I think we might, um, have, we might have coined something here, Dan. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I know from this work that, that key to it is conscious shocks and waking up and disruption. And right now we, moment of global disruption, there's a pretty significant yeah. thing going on. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. And I got thoughts. <laughs> let, let me have them. Let me have them. Yeah, I, I think that from a number of sources, including our own, it means we have to come back to place. I can't control Donald Trump or your prime minister or, uh, you know, any of the other kind of uh, oligarchs or dictators in the world. But what I can contribute to is my place, you know, and, and, you know, Eleanor Ostrom proved that, you know, in her Nobel, I think we might even talked about that one time, that place is the only place where tragedy of the commons is not operative. Mm-hmm. And I read a great little comment. It was an anonymous, I don't know who wrote it. It was sent to me by a, a young student. Let me see if I can read it. About uh, conspiracy theories. And let me see if I can find it. Mm. It's, it's useful. You know, who do you believe? That kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. It'd be fun to bounce some ideas around. And I said, yeah. you know, my response to her was, uh, I don't really give it a whole lot of credibility. Uh, you know, conspiracy. I, you know, I don't know who... The only thing that I can trust is myself and my relationships. And the only place that they're operative is in place. Then she sent me this. So this is the last paragraph. Is it the last paragraph? However, if we don't work hard to make ourselves okay with uncertainty, we're susceptible not only to conspiracy theories, but also to anyone, fascists, capitalists, sociopaths, new age gurus who offer an easy, comforting explanation for the world. Mm-hmm. I think we can relate to that. Part of becoming okay with uncertainty is to simply to empower yourself more. The more you learn about how science, technology, politics, and so forth actually work, and the more you hone your critical thinking skills, the more of a sense of agency you'll have. More importantly, though, being grounded in healthy communities of friends, lovers, families, and peers will give you a far deeper sense of security than the false sense of empowerment afforded by some charismatic charlatan's cheap psychological salve. These healthy communities in turn often require difficult, interpersonal and political work. And here again, the safer you are in uncertainty, the more you can get done. That's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know who the author was. Wow. Yes. You're out there, author, let us know. Yeah. And that's what's happening certainly all around this area of Northern New England, where there's a lot of people working and we're all, and primarily we're working on food, right? That's a great, that's a great generator of cohesion, yeah. right? Yeah. Communities come together for food. And so, um, so we're thinking about how we're going to use food as a basis for storying of place and engaging people then in a much richer integrated discussion and well engagement about getting out of our silos and working as a guild, a mm-hmm. permaculture guild, if you will, yep. to work as a whole living system. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're playing with right now. 
That's great to hear. If you're happy to share, it'd be good to hear just a little bit about your how you're navigating the, the whole situation. You're in you're in lockdown at home, or you know what just what, how, kind of. How we are in lockdown. Uh, yeah, we. I, I get. To, I even get to go to seniors' hour at the grocery store. Oh, <laughs> eight eight to nine a.m. So I get to get, <laughs> pays off growing old, I guess. Um, so it's it's you know actually it's uh, other than not being on an airplane, which is kind of nice um but you know most of our work is far flung yeah um when i'm at home i sit at my desk and i've been sitting at my desk i've had a few 13 over 13 hour days non-stop other than just you know getting breaking up and stretching i do get on my bicycle though and i get out get out 30 40 miles and that gets me gets me going yeah well, and we're doing a lot of painting around the house and gardening so yeah we're, you're great. we're kind of we don't have kids at home, but uh, we have 30 animals here, birds and various variety of yeah, species. Yeah, yeah. So that, that keeps us busy. Anyway, the, the town seems to be generally fine. Uh, you know, in our suburban um, enclave, uh, it's not that bad. But, you know, certainly the grocery store people and the delivery people, the Amazon people, the postal service, you know, they're, they're on the front lines here. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I, I actually think my wife and I have had COVID in February. We were both deathly ill and just thought it was the flu, but she went in for pneumonia, but you didn't test because it wasn't even on the, the radar. Yeah, right. Well, it was on the radar. It wasn't in the United States anyway. Yeah. Yep. And um, so I was in Mexico city though with this and, and literally almost passed out in the cab. I was that ill. Couldn't move without extreme pain, coughing, right. went to this naturopath and she pres- prescribed vitamin C and B1 and zinc and a few other herbs. Yep. And within two days, I was feeling fine, finer, mm-hmm. but still hung on there. But since then, I've read some real legitimate studies. I mean, it's been said for years, talking about these as, as um, regimens for, for viruses. And uh, the reason I'm saying this, it's remarkable how this stuff is not communicated to the general public. The yeah. big pharma has such a such a grab on people that just because he you know vitamin c doesn't cost a whole lot nor does b1 but the drugs do yeah, so yeah. We, we have this very weird uh me- mechanistic right approach to, to healing ourselves instead yeah. of uh, looking at what um the nutrients that we take in yeah for sure in the whole thing that was a long riff for making yeah, that point. Makes sense. so you so you think there's a chance you've, you've you're on the other side wow i do i do whenever they have decent uh Decent test, antibody tests, we'll, we'll find out. But yeah, yeah. in the meantime, we're acting like we, we haven't. I, I, I just one thing I'll mention, I was wondering how you're traveling with this. One, one thing I've noticed is I'm aspiring to op- be operating from regenerate life level. So how my how my position and how can I use my uniqueness and my unique resources and connections and settings and things I was already doing, like the podcast, to contribute something of value to the widest conversation sphere. And one, one thing that means is that I'm, like in the last week I've connected like you probably I've connected with people in 10 countries and I'm having all these international conversations. And I, a friend was telling me that there's, there's a new initiative in the town I live in that that's exploring this together. And how do we, how do we respond to this and pursue the opportunities and all that, which I haven't really had time to be part of. And I realized, Oh, hang on my, my kind of international <laughs> work or connections. Are, um, and I'm just, I'm just sitting with that and thinking maybe there's something a bit. Well, I do have a thought on that. Oh yeah. And that is, um, number one, you're comparing yourself mm-hmm. to others. And that's not necessarily the best thing to do. But the other thing, and, and it's what you're called to do. And I, I use nature as an analogy here. We are all pioneering species. 
I mean, we, in, each individual in our own unique way is a pioneering species. And, and therefore, when a disaster blows through, you do what you know best. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, obviously self-absorption is one thing. But if you, what you're offering is what you know how to do and is useful for the world. And that's your role in this as as the seed, as the little plants climb up the, the, the bank, you know, after the hurricane has come through, the cyclones come through, uh, you'll, you'll be kicked out or re, re, repurposed when you need to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting you that be that passive. And I have the same exact concerns and cares, that, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing here in town. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think we all, we are, we all nest together as a, as a complex guild. And uh, you need to honor that. Yeah, yeah. Well said. That's lovely. All right. Well, so one thing I would love to um, look at with you and, and maybe come back with you is I'm becoming, I'm, I'm part of Carol's group and I'm talking to you a lot and reading books and stuff. And so I'm, I'm really sitting with this and, and aspiring to be in the game of evolution and development and lots of juicy projects happening all the time. And one, like, there's a few aspects, and, and a lot of them are to do with the very beginning stages of the, the principles of regeneration, which I, Carol has seven. I think you have a, a related yeah, version. Seven's fine. I, I, I know it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the core ideas seem to be the same. And so, for example, like I'm just like a month or so into a new project on a, on a large farm, and I'm sitting with the questions around whole, holes and uniqueness. And one thing I'm realizing is there's a lot of interest through the podcast um, and the blog, et cetera, about this stuff. And one way I can be a service, which is great for me too, is to really get a working comprehension of these things because um, other people are learning them through me. So so mm-hmm. best I <laughs> understand sure. them properly. And I've come a, a certain distance, but for I'll just tell you, I don't know if you call it a d- dilemma, but so I'm starting this project, right? And I'm, I'm like, okay, what's the hole? What's the hole? And I'm like, well, there's quite a lot of holes. There's the there's yes, there are. there's the there's the client, the, the the main client who called me in. There's um, his partner. There's the kids. There's the, their marriage. There's the family. Um, these are all holes, and I'm a hole. And then there's we're we're working with an earth mover and a tree planter, and and of course there are holes. So there's all these kind of people related holes, individuals and and groups. And then I'm looking at the landscape, right? The that itself. And so far, the kind of thing I've, I've got from mostly from Carol is you've got to push out until you reach some sort of recognizable, kind of naturally defined hole, which, yeah. which, is, which is not the fences. Right. So, okay, I'm so, okay, shit, so I've got to go out to the whole life shed, which is, you know, massive, uh, massive area, and then work my way down. And, and one, one thing um, I'm sitting with is, with the whole question is, there's, I've always got people, right? There's clients and, and a lot of my projects are land-based projects. So there's the, the landscape, the property they own. I had one conversation with Carol where she was talking about one way you could frame the whole being worked on is the whole itself is the process of designing a, a, a co-evolving relationship between human and ecosystem health, something like that, but that itself yeah, is it's a whole. Not, to, not necessarily geological. Yeah. So I'd, I'd just geological. love, I, I know you've done so many of these projects. I'd just love to have you shed the life yeah, of your experience. Yeah, be happy to. Uh, and uh, somebody asked, uh, an old colleague of mine asked the same question on a podcast. It's like, wherever you look, there's another bloody hole. And how the hell do you get organized? Yeah, I know some of them yeah. are nested and all that, but it's like, I, I don't actually know the answer right now to what, what is the hole I'm working on here? Is, or, or, or I'm actually simultaneously holding multiple holes. And... 
You're whole, you're you're obviously you're you are holding I mean, multiples, but the yeah. whole the, so we define it in our work as an inner whole, approximate whole, and a greater whole. Okay. And you need at least three, and that's mm -hmm. important because if you're left with two, you end up with duality. It becomes a choice between yes. holes. Yep. What you want is a direction. So the inner hole is in service. Now this is really important. The inner mm -hmm. hole is in service and adding value to the proximate hole, the nearby mm -hmm. hole. Mm -hmm. And then the nearby hole is in service to the greater hole. Okay. And it's reciprocal service, by the way. Yeah, reciprocal is in it comes back around. It's going in. Well, yeah, it goes both ways, right? You're, 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 you serve and it serves you. If you can even call it an it, which is a little stretch, right? Yeah. So here's one. Here, I'm reading a definition from one of our, one of our uh, teaching syllabuses. One way yeah. to determine the proximate whole is to look at what or who the project will influence and be influenced by in a direct and ongoing way. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a project, so when we're working on a project, so let me, so I can give it's always different, and it's this it's this um, it's a sense of energy relationships. Okay. So uh, the story I always tell about Brattleboro Food Co-op because it was it's such an obvious one for architects and our culture because you know they hired us to do a grocery store, mm -hmm. but it's a grocery store. It's not a building. It's a building that houses a grocery store. So what's the more important energetic activity there? The building or the food? Mm -hmm. Well, you do a little bit of research and you say, uh, you know, the average bite of food in the United States travels 3,600 miles. There's a lot more energy involved with that than whatever I'm going to save in the refrigeration case. So maybe I ought to concentrate on the food. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, it's, it's just kind of an evaluation of, of, of value, right? Of yeah, energetic yeah. value. So, all right, we're dealing with food. Um, and you find out in the gro grocery store that they have apples from New Zealand, right? This is in Vermont, and they have uh, blueberries from Chile, strawberries from California. So you see where the 3,600 miles comes from. Mm -hmm. so maybe we should do something about that. And we talk about, then we flip back. What are, what's our purpose? Sustainability, all right? That seems like a really long transportation link, right? And what happens if there's a strike or an airplane strike or there's no oil or there's a trucker's strike, right? Well, you don't have a sustainable grocery store anymore. So there's the weak link. Mm -hmm. Not whether I have good stormwater management techniques, although of course you want to, or not whether I use low toxicant paint in my building and get a lead or a Green Star credit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the, the, that seems pretty paramount. So you're looking at high leverage, right? All right, what can we do about that? Well, what's the proximate hole? In this case, the proximate hole turns out to be the food shed because that's where we can get our local food. So you okay. see how that? Yeah. This is sort of useful. So yeah, you, you can't, you, you're kind of just sort of immersing in what's you, you going you on. Dance, you dance with it. Yeah. It's an energetic dance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, life is a, a, a dance of reciprocity, right? And that's what you're yeah. looking for. Yeah. Where are those points? Now, the greater hole, let's go to the greater hole. The greater hole, we're working with a food co-op. Mm -hmm. They decided on their own um, that the greater whole for them was the co-op world of cooperatives that they could okay. influence. Now, I don't know if I would have picked that. I would have probably picked grocery stores as a broader one, but they focused on co-ops and that was yep. perfect. And they became highly influential in the cooperative world. And they actually, because of that, they started loaning money instead of these silos of little co-ops trying to protect their resources. Mm -hmm. They began to build the co-op network in Northern New England. So okay. you see, it just that thinking transformed the way they were looking at not only their food resources but their relationships with other 
like-minded people. That's, yeah, this is very helpful. So like, if we can roll through that again. So what, one thing I, it's, you, you, you clearly gone in pretty early and, and paid some attention to purpose would, and for, for them oh, and their for, uh, sustainability. And of course, until you've got a purpose, you just, there's yeah, no direction to the dance. You don't know what yeah. kind of dance you're doing. And, and if you, and if you come in with your own dance, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't understand though. So let's kiss that one. Goodbye. Yeah. And if you, and, and that's a, an issue that, uh, a wonderful opportunity for permaculture's evolution is to up our game in terms of honoring and, and being able to tune into the, the, the purpose of the things we're working with as opposed to unconsciously imposing our own. And um, then all the dances became the same, become the same dance. And, and another thing it felt like you were doing as you were following the energy there is, is, is focusing on what the process, what was happening here. So it's not about the grocery store. It's a, what, what's what, you know, it's, it's about the flow of food and, and then where does that yeah, lead us? It's all relationship, right? It's all, all, you know, Joel uses an example. I like, uh, he says when you, um, a zoo has a, you know, people say, well, we need diversity of species. Yep. So a zoo has a lot of diversity of species but it doesn't have a diversity of relationships. Mm-hmm. So the zoo, in fact, is an ecological evolutionary dead end, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not a healthy system uh, for, a lot of, for a lot of reasons, but just particularly species diversity. And uh, it's the same thing with us. You know, this is really about increasing the opportunity for exchange. That's right. how we have dyna- dynamic stability, and that's what we're missing on the planet now. It's why we're getting these extreme events. I mean, I can't prove that to you, but I'm be pretty hard pressed to convince me otherwise that the climate change events, the storms, the higher grain cyclones, global warming events, ocean heating up is all because we've lost that dynamic stability. Yeah. Yeah. Which relates to, to me to that idea that that individual organisms or forests are are all eddies in a flow of um, energy, you know, like temporary manifestations of, of deeper energy flows and reciprocity and all that kind of stuff. Now, can I ask you that, so there, in this particular example, the proximate hole was the food shed that, um, that the, the, this would have served the grocery store. Yeah. That they serve and is served by. And then the, I can see how the greater hole they chose was the co-op world. And, and having cho- chosen that, they went on to do stuff that, that influenced that and influenced that. And what, in that case, the inner hole was the grocery store. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or the, or the cooperative board or whatever. Yeah. Okay, this is, so let me just in my mind play this play this out because I've I've been trying to do something like this because like the the family is a core whole here you know I've been called and I'm in service of a family on this project on many projects mm-hmm. and um and then and then and then they're on this they're on this property they're wanting to get to know better so when when I think about the proximate whole I think about the the life shed or the you know the wider eco region that their property sits within. Mm-hmm. And and how whatever whatever they do in their journey on the property can positively impact that and be impacted by it and you know be just be open to that not not be not stop our minds at the fences. Well, at that point, the greater hole starts to be pretty big. Yeah, and then another line of thought is the social one. Yeah, but, but don't think again. Don't think of it as just physical. It's relational. And so, you know, the proximate hole in this case, if it's the family, the proximate hole could be their property. It could yep. be the immediate. Um, farmstead or whatever they're yeah, working yeah. on and and the greater hole could be the neighborhood of farmers you can find a you know you can find those holes on a even on a piece of property okay yeah and i like that so i think the inner hole is the family which is nested within the proximate hole which is the property um which is nested within a 
a thing that has social and um, geographic aspects, which is a, is a, is a neighborhood, a place-based community. Yeah. Again, think about sphere of influence. That's what you're working with. That family, what's its, in, what's its sphere of influence? It's ultimately really practical, Dan. Yeah, right. That's that's right. I want to I want to understand it myself and be able to make it accessible and accessibly practical. So it's not like you know, it doesn't feel hard hard to grasp and start using in a in a practical way. Well, we're, we you know on that note, we are using different words. We're using words very precisely, and it's confused. People, oh, why don't you speak English? Why don't you know? Why don't you just tell us what you mean? Well, we are telling you what we mean. <laughs> and but we're, but what happens is is people try to put the words we are using in worlds they've already seen rather than just suspending belief for a moment. Okay. This is, that, that, that is helpful. I mean, I think that, that, that is not a bad thing to try it. It's going to change as you say, but thinking of the people I'm working with, the, the family as a, as an in a whole within a property. I mean, one, one thing I did, I remember the conversations around, it's not a real whole unless that kind of life would define it as a whole and a, the property itself is an arbitrary one. So yeah, that's good so to hear, but it's, but it's okay to, to run with it. Maybe. Yeah. It's probably okay to work. Yeah. And, and it, it is that property is not a whole unto itself, but you could probably find the, the, it, be, it is part of a watershed and yep. you know, what, you know, watershed can be this big yep. and it can be the size of the Amazon. So pick your, pick your fractal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's right. There are, there are watersheds within watersheds within watersheds on this property or other properties. That's cool. All right. So, well, actually, why don't we move forward to uh, the last the last episode? I was chatting with um, Jason Gearhart, who's who directs the the US based um, permaculture institute, and he, he was talking about how he's been doing he's been doing permaculture for as long as me, at least fifteen years or whatever it is plus. Um, so he's very familiar with reading landscape. He doesn't have an issue with that, and he feels confident and has been focused for a long time on working with people. So he feels like he can sort of pick up on people's energy and, and hone in on their uniqueness. Um, but he can do that in a way that he feels like he can't do with landscape. He can read landscape fine, but I'd love to have a bit more guidance on how do you, how do you move from immersing in a place and getting, you know, doing the kinds of things permaculturists do when they read landscape, moving from that conversation to the conversation around what, how do we hone in on the, on the underlying uniqueness, what you often call the essence of this place. And I know essence itself is, it's not something we can get across here. It's, it's kind of a deep and thing that takes a long time, but I know you, I'm sure you can yeah, give us some guidance. Just trying to, I want to read something about essence to you. Um, uh, there's a lot of interesting things. You should read the Catholic Encyclopedia on essence. It's pretty interesting. Ah. You know, the basic, the definition is the basic element of anything. Base meaning is the first English use of essential. So essential comes out of essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a big thing to get into. But you know, the simple way to think about it, it's useful. It's useful, I think, to give a framing for essence, so it gets it out of the esoteric. Um, I don't have children, but I certainly know of lots of children and lots of parents who have had children, and their descriptions of children's when they come out of the mother's womb, you know, they are different from one another. Where did that come from? Well, that's one of the mysteries, right? And um, the premise that we hold is that. By the time a child, you know, every child is a genius until they're about five years old. And then our system, whether it's adults, you know, our parents or our Mm -hmm. school teachers or our peers beat it out of us, right? And we conform and we adapt. Our psychoses are kind of personality disorders, if you will, or sometimes actually profoundly useful, but still they aren't you. You've adapted and then it isn't until you're in your mid twenties, maybe your early 30 and you think, 
I'm not me. You know, I've missed something. I've lost something. And the rest of our lives, if we're actually conscious, is about trying to get back to that essence. Does that sound? Yeah, that, that works for me. And the idea that, I mean, I love the idea of getting, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, get, I have a, get a thrill every time I see Carol work with someone who thinks they're clear about their uniqueness or the uniqueness of a project. And she says, I, I, it sounds good what you're saying, but I don't know what the heck it means. Like you've got to, she gets across, Grounded. it's actually abstract and it's generic. Yeah, and I can relate exactly. to that very much. Yeah. But yeah. both with, with purpose statements, which are often so generic and the, the, the people I'm dealing with are not inside the purpose statement at all. But then also when we're coming to what is unique about this place, how do, how do I, and it's a pretty good criteria. It's like, how do I get to a statement or an articulation that wouldn't, wouldn't work anywhere else? Yeah, can I share with you? This is sort of slightly. Let's come back to this. Can yeah, I share yeah, with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, story yeah. We can meander. Let's meander. As being as being useful, uh, I was working with. Um, you may have heard this story because I, when I talk about purpose, uh, it was a couple, very wealthy couple from Manhattan, and they were buying a two hundred plus acre farm in Connecticut. Oh uh, yeah, I think you might have told this, but tell it tell it again. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I did because it's but it's a useful example about yeah, purpose. Yeah. So that they. We taught them, you know, nature of a purpose statement, the inner whole, greater in service of the greater whole, or function and being state in service of will. Yeah. There's lots of ways of framing it. And, and uh, so they came up with one, you know, we, we want to build a farm, an organic farm, and where we can gather as an intergenerational family and show the world what great, uh, what sustainability looks like and how great organic farming is and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I said, wow, and that's great. I can't argue with that at all. But sounds like I know six other couples in Manhattan that could say the exact same thing. So who are you in this? Uh, well, you know, what's this? What's what's really important to you about this? And they said, Well, I don't know. That's really what. So I said, All right. I, I don't know if this is going to work, but tell you what, go home and meditate on this for a week. I want you to actually think, image. In, run a movie. Well, that's what I, that's what you said. Run a movie in your mind about getting up at five o'clock in the morning on your farm, Monday morning, what you're doing at six o'clock, what you're doing at seven o'clock every day of the week, all the way through Sunday mm-hmm. and come back. And so they came back and I said, so what happened? And the husband says, I don't want to be a farmer anymore. And uh, I said, oh, okay. I said, so what happened? He said, uh, yeah, I know you're tricking me. He said, I, we're going to buy this farm, but I realize I'm too old to run this thing. So I'm going to um, have to hire a farm manager. So that was cool. We just doubled our, our commission. Yep. <laughs> that, yep. that was useful. Mm-hmm. But I turned to the wife and, and uh, I guess this is Australia. Can I say exactly what she said to me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty. She said, I am so fucking pissed off. <laughs> And uh, I said, really? So what happened? And um, I said, I actually backed away a little bit. She said, no, it's not about you, Bill. And uh, I said, so, all right, what went on? She said, I got up at six o'clock in the morning to feed the chickens and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I need help. And so now that the, the husband and the wife were put in a position of no longer being the client telling the architect what, what they needed, yeah. but we became, we, we were now in a co-discovery and that was the most important. Mm-hmm. And we probably never got a really, well, we did eventually, but the most important part is the process of actually exploring that work creates a humility in all of us. And then we can start 
engaging in a much deeper way. Yeah, then you, you allow for emergent things to happen. Yeah, because that so that and, and you gave them space and a way to disrupt themselves, and you just you you kind of shattered the illusion of a pretty little statement they'd made up that they right. they were going to say let's just work to that. It's like well no that's that's a distraction from the reality. What's really going on for you and who who are you? Yeah. So now back to what you were hmm. what we were talking about in terms of um, where were we? Essence, but then. Yeah, well, it was around how do we get from reading landscape, and you can even develop it to a high level to honing in on the uniqueness of a of a parcel of land, or a, you know. Yeah. Well, again, it all comes down to what is this, the essence of this place in service in this existence, right, that we live in. What mm -hmm. what are we in service to in terms of fulfilling its role? It's yeah. Okay. Cool. So I think this is helpful because that you know it starts to be, rather than just what what is the uniqueness of this place. It's like what is how does this place uniquely contribute to the whole? It's, it's always about contribution. It's always about value adding. Okay. That's really important. Yes. This work is meaningless without that. Yep. Yep. And, and and we do. I mean, I do that too, Dan. We just kind of oh yeah, what's you kind of focus on the thing, right? We're so so thing oriented. Yeah. Um, but this is all about living dynamic. That's right. So you could, that, I think this is very useful because you, because I, th I think we are all deeply infused with the mechanistic way of viewing the world where we see things in static terms. So you can look at a property and say, yeah, what you can sort of, so sort of say, what, what about the internal, in a sense, static reality of this property is going to reveal its uniqueness as opposed to saying, what about the dynamic living contribution, this evolving whole mm -hmm. is making to its larger whole? What's unique about that? I think that is useful. Yep. I mean, I know it's useful. So basically, it's how can we on this property manifest new energy in support of the larger system? And how mm -hmm. does it... Say that again. So we, how, how can well, we... I'm going to read something that yeah. from Carol, actually, which I ran across the other day. Um, yep. Directs the manifestation of core energies to see the spirit of something in existence. So um, basically... What is the essence? That's really what the essence is. What are the core energies that make you who you are? So I, I use the analogy. So my wife did not fall in love with me because I have road rage, right? That's a psychosis. I do have a little bit of road rage. Yeah. And, you know, because I fell out of my high chair the wrong way when I was a kid. Who knows? But, but beneath that, you know, are the core energies that make me who I am. And that's mm -hmm. really what we do when we fall in love or like with anybody. We're looking beneath the the bullshit. Yes, he's a practical joker, or yes, he's incredibly insecure, but wow, when you tap into him, whoa, what a guy, you know, those, what we're looking for, it's what we do when we, actually, when we people watch, we're entertaining ourselves with personality, but if we really play the game deeply, we'd say, what's really going on there? You know, that woman looks really angry, you know, those, that couple's really fighting, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. You know, we play, and, but I think it's because we're all in a search of that core. Yeah, applying the, the, what we just said about place to people, I, I find that helpful too, because it's not, not like, what is it? Like there's some kind of um, hidden uh, gem within you that I've got to find. It's, I like that of rephrasing is what is it that you, you, you uniquely bring or are able to bring, even if it's veiled by personality and the psychosis and all the rest of it, you know, what, what, what are the energies that are uniquely coming out of you as, as a living being, not as a static entity, something like that. Yep. And then and that's, that is meant to enable your evolution as a systemic whole, right? In relationship to everything else. It's enabling, it's where we started. It's enabling yeah. evolution. Yeah, yeah, by, by supporting the, the, the uniqueness to express itself, you mean? You know, I had a good friend of mine just a couple months month ago, I guess, month and a half ago, uh -huh. 
you know, before we got shut down, uh, basically saying, yeah, Bill, but because we were talking about evolution and building, developing mm-hmm. new capability. And uh, he said, yeah, but who really wants that? <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, he said, that's a tough sell. <laughs> and uh, it is. If they don't, if you don't, they don't want it, you're not going to sell it. So yeah. this work is about finding those people who are resonant with that yeah. creator. So a lot of people say, you know, well, they, they try to, they try to translate our work into genericizing it. Well, how are you going to make this appeal to everybody out there? Mm-hmm. I don't think you are. So the most important thing we can do is, is appeal to those people who are asking the right questions. Cause we don't learn until we're willing to ask a question. Right. And so who's out there willing to ask, and then we build a field with those people and that changes the world. I'm loving the whole field conversation, which is down the, it's not a list, but it's, it's, it's down the framework. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the field building is I am. Oof. Yeah. I'm starting to, I feel like I'm maybe I'm deluding myself, but I, I think I'm it's starting to work. taste what that means. And even experience like I'm, I'm ex- there's something happening with making permaculture stronger right now. And that's how I'm making sense of it. Yeah. You know, the, that a field is building. There's just, there's just a more, there's just a more coherent energy and there's just more people kind of getting drawn in and there's resonance happening. And that, that's, that's, yeah. Well, Carol talks about, I mean, I, I, I was, I, I basically just dumb it down and say, you need in order for a field to build, you need to practice it. Field's not going to build without practice. Yeah. Uh, I like, I like to say there's no such thing as a change management weekend. You know, and anybody who says, you know, we're going to, you're going to be transformed from this weekend or we're going to have four sessions and you're going to change your life. Nope. Mm. Now it may inspire you to discipline yourself to practice, but that's all it will do. So uh, I think Carol has three, you need duration, intensity, and uh, frequency, maybe frequency. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Of of a learning experience or in terms of, those three things have to be a certain way to have, have effect. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so when we work with communities, we tell our clients now you're, you're, even though we can't tell you what it's going to look like, although we kind of can, we just we don't want to give them sticker shock, but uh, you're talking about an engagement of at least three years. Mm-hmm. And it's not much actually. We're just saying, you know, every six weeks we find out that that's about what most communities can handle because they're basically meeting to death, right? Everybody's busy. Yeah. But six weeks kind of allows it if anything longer and it starts dissipating, building a field. And it takes what, what I've experienced, Dan, it takes about a year for the field to start popping where people say, I want to play the people who yeah. didn't want to see you at all. I want to come. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. You know, because what happens is it, it's like a party. A field is just like a nice party. You walk by a house with a good party, you say, ah, oh, that looks, I wouldn't mind being there if you're a party animal. You know, conversely, the, the, the way I think the easiest way to experience is in a conference, you, you have a wild argument in, in an office building, in a conference room, right, in your office, and you're late and you open the door and that you can feel that energy, right? Catch the vibe pretty quick, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a field. Yeah. So... How do, you, how do you maintain and build a field? Well, there's got to be resonance with what everybody's working on. And that's what the story of place is all about. And that's what this practice is all about. And that's what these frameworks are all about is to help hold on to that resonance. All right. Yeah. So that's a cool part. I can feel it of, of, of building a story of face, oh, the story of face, the story of place, which includes the story of the faces in the place. But as you build a story of um, place, you're literally building a field. And a core cool part of that is you are, striving to to express the 
the uniqueness, the essence of the place. And, and, and therefore the potential because potential is integral to essence, right? Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm realizing that. So I'm like, shit, we better, I better get the hang of this. Cause unless I can hold the holes and identify the uniqueness or the essence, then yeah, the potential is going to potential dissipate. Right. Right. So it's all connected and you can get, but potential is kind of an easier concept to work with. Hmm. Um, but it emerges out of essence. Yeah. And, and, presumably potential is always going to be about how the inner hole contributes reciprocally to the proximate hole, which contributes reciprocally to the, well, think about a child. What's the child's potential? Yeah. We talk about that all the time. You know, human development. We talk about regenerative development, even though the word is, you know, is unfortunately abused by the word development. Uh, you know, when, when developers, building developers talk about development, if you look at the definition, it means to add value. Okay. Yeah. That's at the lowest level. Of yeah. development, yeah, accurate but low level. From in the levels of paradigm, so much development is it, is it obviously extract value. So yeah, what would it mean for development to be regenerative? Yeah, well, is- I think development. I think building development is an incredibly powerful. So you probably heard me say this before. You know, we're destroying the world. We need two things as as living beings. We need nutrition and we need shelter. Mm-hmm. At least mammals do. Humans do. You know, for you to build a house. And how are we destroying the world through our agricultural systems and our building systems? So we don't have a choice, Dan. We have to heal the world through both those systems. Mm-hmm. And regenerative agriculture is part of it, but that has to lead to a regenerative culture. And this is what is unfortunate about the regenerative agriculture movement is that it is, is, it is somewhat divorced from the development of the culture. Although I think farmers, if anybody, are able to more under, you know, ingrain that into their lives because of the dur- you know, duration, intensity, and frequency of planting, right? Yeah. Culturally, yeah. But in an urban area, we don't have that. So this becomes a practice like we're talking about now. Yeah, I like the, the, the idea that the, the, the non-negotiable necessities of nutrition and shelter, so regenerative agriculture and regenerative shelter, but without that feeding into or being fed by regenerative culture, then it doesn't stick. Right. Hmm. This is good. I'm getting what I was after here. Lots of lots of just twists, you know, angles, perspectives to to sit with and develop. One thing. One thing I'll tell you. I'm I'm going to um get Carol back on in a month or whatever. Um, and have her take us through the seven principles. And just so listeners know, oh, that's great. We've yeah, been focusing pretty, on pretty pretty rich. Pretty rich when Carol does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really really keen to bring that into the conversation because there's a lot of interest in the four levels of paradigm and, and of course you can't really grasp what regenerate life means until you have a feeling for the seven first principles of yeah and, yeah and people and you can't separate those as pieces right it's mm. blind men and the elephant you need all of them yeah yeah they're all operative at the same time and that's yep. the practice and this is what I believe most indigenous peoples know how to do just because they're raised that way to be that way. We unfortunately have to exercise those muscles that haven't been exercised in a few hundred years anyway. For sure. Else. Yeah. I mean, I should run through them just so cause some, some listeners might be scratching their heads. So, okay, you keep alluding to these things. What oh, the yeah. heck are they? Sure. Sure. Um, do, you want to, do you want to roll through them or should I roll through them? Well, why don't you? Okay, why so, don't you and I'll, I'll add. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can, you can help see me straight away. So, the first one is holes, the hole. What's the hole you're in service of with a W, not a H, a WH. What's the hole? Pearl. Yeah. And then what's the uniqueness or the essence of that hole? Mm-hmm. And we've, as we've been talking about, you're, you're striving to think at at least three levels, the inner hole, the proximate hole, the greater hole. And then once you're in touch with, with the hole or holes and the essence, 
or essences of those holes, then you can move into the question of well, what's the potential here, which is about supporting the, the uniqueness of the hole to express itself. And once, once that's actually happening, you move to the fourth of the seven, which is development. You're actually developing the potential by supporting the, the essence or uniqueness of this hole to express itself. And then um, you move into focusing on the, the nestedness the, the inapproximate greater whole thing, which, as you're saying, you've got to be and doing I, it all at once. And I prefer nestedness to be for, before potential. Okay. Because it's the nestedness that actually pulls the potential. Right, yeah. So, yeah, looking at the nestedness, the nested um, organization of things, getting out of a flatland view. So, holons and holarchy. Yeah, I've been doing some thinking and writing about, about that. I, I've realized there's ways in which that concept can still be um, held within a mechanical framework. But anyway, sure. to finish the list, well, right. it's not the list, the principles. Um, the next one is um, nodal, the idea of nodal intervention points and nodal intervention. So where do you find those places where the energy is sort of, uh, there's a constellation of energy such that you can put a, possibly a small amount of information and in energy and, and catalyze a phase change in the whole system. Right. Um, and, then, and then the last one being regenerative field, build a regenerative field. Which I see, I see the way you do that is by making nodal interventions based on the prior stuff. Although, like you said, they're all happening at the same time. And in indigenous cultures, they all were happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll sometimes hear us using the word reciprocity for building that field. I prefer the field, but yep. reci reciprocal relationships. Because reciprocal relationships, I think, can be dumbed down to transactional. If you don't really understand it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and the nodal stuff, that's about, again, a living hole to a living hole. So your, your node is, is life. Your node isn't mm -hmm. a thing. Even though we use the analogy of an acupuncture needle, which kind of is distracting. It, um, at least I do that. But that yep. slightly can lead you a bit astray. Because it's not about the, you know, this physical point you mean. It's about this, this place in the in Well, the this flow. place or this person or this organization. or you know, That can be the node. Yeah, yeah, and, and the nodal intervention can be so many things, right? It can be a question or a, an exercise, oh, or, right? Right. Or actually making an, a physical intervention in the landscape, or whatever it is. Yeah. See, this is what what you're, uh, I think, alluding to there, Dan, is what we've discovered is that this work is so foundational. It allows us to work with a family. It allows us to work in a country. It's the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or an ecosystem. It's the same stuff. So. That's what's really cool. This is why if you can carry the framing with you, it's like carrying, I remember in college, I had to memorize the steel tables. We had this big book, you know, for steel calculations. Uh, terrible. I probably got a C or a D or something. Yeah. But then concrete came along, which is a much harder subject. I said, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. So I just, I took the time and measured the mass of the formula that you can derive everything from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never studied the, never studied the rest of the semester and aced it because yeah. that was the framing and yeah. the, more the, the more that we do that the more that we actually we can if we can actually take the discipline to work with the framing it's uh it allows us such facility yeah yeah totally yeah in in, in, in every aspect of life in some ways life gets in there because you don't need a separate uh, toolkit for every you know professionally as a family as an individual there's these underlying principles that um it's interesting there because it's like, I know there's a lot of emphasis on, on not copying and pasting and a metaphor and on anything that's generic. And yet there are, I believe, there, there are, you know, certain underlying principles that can be yeah. applied in very specific ways that are non-generic. 
Yes. Yeah, and I think these are this is a powerful case in point. Yeah, which I'm I'm not an I understand they're they're deep and it, it's one thing I think to grant, get some kind of level of holistic intellectual understanding and be able to avoid some of the things of thinking of a linear sequence or trying to force them into a mechanistic paradigm or whatever. But it's another thing altogether to to get a living working you know experience of them in a project or in a yeah and that's um, what's yeah, that's really the only way that i've learned i've abstract taken me so long because until i actually get to apply it it doesn't mean much i mean it's yeah. very interesting intellectually interesting but yeah. it doesn't have the if i speak with any authority and power in this it's because i'm speaking about the experiences i've had mm-hmm. not the reading that i've done so and the, and the and the the act of faith is trusting that these this kind of thinking will work with people trying it out there it's kind of a it's an act of faith initially right yeah hey, in terms of experience if i asked you to give me an example of a nodal intervention um in terms of clarifying that principle what, what would come up for you it's hmm, a good question you know the classic example is the wolves in in yellowstone park right they drop the yeah right yeah that's a nice that's, one isn't it yeah everyone can grab that it shifted everything with one small yeah, yeah. in curitiba it was the trash was a nodal intervention because uh, they couldn't get the trash out of the favelas. Uh-huh. And so then they figured, well, okay, we can't get the trucks in. Trash won't come out. But don't we pay people to bring out their trash and we give them tokens for taxi rides or food in the farmer's market. And then it created, and they, then it created oh, a whole educational, educational chits, transportation chits, food chits mm-hmm. around trash. And it allowed its expansion of of um, you know, so it wasn't the trash itself; it was the the human cycle, right? Of yeah. Food, yeah. trash, and that was the nodal intervention there that allowed an expansion of um, multiple arenas uh, of benefit. Mm-hmm. What's important? What's important about them? This is why it's important to hang around for a long time in a place because you don't know, and you know, it's basically. Uh, I think this would be something to ask uh, Carol a lot about. I I just say follow the energy, mm-hmm. and. We follow the energy uh, because that typically leads somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. So yeah. paying attention to where energy is and in a real disciplined way, following up on those connections is what allows us to find allows those, those nodes to expand. Right? To emerge, yeah. Reveal themselves to you. Right. Yeah. Right. Whether they, whether they work or they don't. Yeah. 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 Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's like for every, let's say, successful nodal intervention, you, you might have 10 or 20 attempts. You know, you try, you try yeah. things. That's well, part of how the, you find what the, the brain nodes are. <laughs> I think the point is, 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 is not to add that that's trying, and it's, it's my least favorite principle actually, because maybe I don't understand it, but, uh, inst- but I do understand it to this point that instead of broadcasting generic things and doing a lot of telling people, you're engaging people in a way where you are, are relating and engaging their energy and how you're actually exchanging value with each other. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's the exchange. It's go right back to our zoo. You know, it's always about exchange and relationship mm-hmm. and following that. Yeah. And, and, so, like that. and when you don't have the energy, you've got to destabilize people to get the energy. Right. Yeah, that's right. And often that's what nodal adventure requires. I mean, I might, I, I certainly don't understand it fully uh, either, but at this stage is, I think it's my favorite principle. It excites me. Cool. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. And I want listeners to know too, that 
this stuff can't be rushed, you know. It's there, I mean, I, I, Dan Palmer, have, have assessed it for myself, and I've decided that there's there's real deep value here for me, and I believe for permaculture. And I mean, I know a lot of you are resonating with this stuff, so I hope you're all cool with the fact that it's not going to be a you know a one or two listen to two podcasts and you got it. But I want you to know that I'm going to stay with it. I'm like a dog with a bone, you know. And we'll, we'll see this through. We'll hear from Carol. Um, I invite you all to share examples. If you think you grasped something of what a nodal intervention is, put a share a comment. Cool. And yeah, um, Dan, let me just interject there. There's a, yeah, yeah. you know, we make it a point uh, to make a different distinction between knowledge and understanding. You know, knowledge can be written down and transmitted hmm. and under understanding takes experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've shared with you Tecumseh's, uh, Tecum I, I yeah, 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 you have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The white man's frozen there. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. The white man's frozen the word. Yeah. So, right. and yet he understood how valuable books were. So it's not an either or. Mm -hmm. Is a is a podcast episode freezing the word? Yes or no? I guess, but either way, that yeah, the, the idea is that well, I, I don't know if I've told you about this, but one thing I'm doing is similar to the CAD groups. Actually, is building a community of practice where every six weeks, holding space for for Zoom meetings, where the idea is that we can not only be developing the the, the knowledge, but we can be deploying it and 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 coming to understand these principles and frameworks mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in in a, in a shared practice which is what's from the beginning inspired me so much about Regenesis that you've been working together for decades, having these conversations, trying stuff out, you know, regenerating, regenerate, regenerating yourselves. And the yeah, project. No, that's literally what that word is for. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't happen just once. Yeah. It has to happen almost every day. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Hey, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Anything comes any impulses, anything that comes to mind? It's been great just to get back in conversation right and I, I hope this is i hope it doesn't stop at three that there's no. more conversations to come i'm happy to break the record yeah all right let's do it game on <laughs> <laughs> no but i think uh i think i think this sounds like a pretty good uh encapsulation of the mm -hmm. yeah energy. yeah yeah and thank you so much I'll, i always listen to these at least twice because i edit them i really i got some real value and some neat things to to, to sit with and reflect on in terms of the the, the whole and the uniqueness conversations. Well, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to share because I learned too.